Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. And I'm so excited because he is going to give us his best self health advice. And you know, Dr. Robbie, if you would just tell people, you know, what what do you do? How would you know this information? Why are you qualified to tell us this? Ah, I'm not sure I am. <laughs> um, look, my, I'm a doctor in clinical psychology, and so we've been working around the world for the last um, 15 or more years, spe- specializing in the area of trauma, um, helping people recover from great difficulty in their life, in particular, um, people who have survived uh, civil conflict, so in various different war zones, uh, natural disaster areas, and, and increasingly these days with survivors of human trafficking, um, helping organizations understand how we can put broken people's lives um, back together again, uh, make making us whole and ultimately going on to live our best life. But we are equally as passionate about taking psychology from the front line and bringing it to the home front, recognizing that sometimes just even in our marriage, that's where the war zone is or in our finances, that's where the disaster zone is. Um, or sometimes we feel as though our ideas, thoughts or emotions have been hijacked or, or trafficked by other people. And, and so we too, we all need to know these life principles as to how we can reconcile our past, um, a deal plan effectively for our future, and then execute it so that we can ultimately go on and live our best possible lives. Um, Healthy emotions, healthy finances, and uh, and of course, healthy relationships. Wow. You do a lot of great things. And honestly, anytime... I talked to Dr. Robbie personally. For those of you that wouldn't get the opportunity to, I'm always amazed by his wisdom and by his ability to give you handles to actually apply what he's saying. Um, it's He's a very relational leader and man. And so, Dr. Robbie, if if someone was listening to this today and you know maybe they've never seen a counselor or talked to somebody about anything in their life, what's some things that they could even take from and apply to their life that you would say like, this is really important for you as a leader, for you as a person, for you as a person who follows God or that wants to be a leader. Um, here's some of my best advice for you. It could be mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever it is that you think, this has been some of the best advice that we've been able to see that works for people. Well, it's a big question because there's lots of different components. There are foundations for success. I mean, just getting the basic ABCs right. All too often, we're looking for the the, the latest, greatest strategy <laughs> and innovation, you know, mind development tool or trick. When all we really need to do is, you know, have a good diet, get good exercise, and sleep well, and and they're the basic foundations yeah. um, for making our brain function in the way in which it should. Just that alone will bring clarity and uh, and progress in our lives. But but then, of course, we need to know how to think well, how to socialize well, how to conduct our lives according to some kind of moral compass. So choose and decide well, innovate well. And so, the, the, look, the, the question is massive. But if I could boil it down to three simple things, I would probably say they are the three P's. And the three P's are priority permission and perspective but not necessarily in that order probably the reverse order you mm. could you know you know reverse engineer this or like <laughs> do a, a decustation you know um, unpacking the meal and and go no what's my perspective and what am I giving permission to in my life um, so as to prioritize the things that really count 
And when I think of the three Ps, this might sound a bit strange, but I think of Hans Christian Andersen's um, uh, story, his children's story that he wrote uh, called The Princess and the Pea. And for those of you who don't know this story, uh, it's, a, it's a classic tale of a prince who was devastated because he'd searched the entire land for a princess. He found plenty of fake news, but no real deal. And, uh, and so he's devastated because, you know, he obviously wants to get married, can't find any princess throughout the land. And then one night there's a storm and and there's a knocking at the front door and the king goes down and and there's this completely saturated, drenched girl who's got caught in the rain and she says, I'm a princess. And I got caught in the storm. Is there any chance that I could seek shelter uh, in the castle tonight? And so the king comes to the queen and says, look at this young lass. She she says that she's a princess. And and the queen says, all right, then let's put this to the test. And so she prepares the bed for the princess. Do you know the story, Killer? Yeah. And so she prepares the bed and puts 20 mattresses high and a small pea under the bottom mattress. And then she puts 20 dunas or duvets or, or bed covers on top of the 20 mattresses and has the princess sleep on the very top. And of course, when she comes out in the morning, they all, with great expectation and anticipation, ask her, so how did you sleep? And she says... Well, I don't know what was under those mattresses, but oh my back, I'm in so much pain. And in that moment, they knew she was a real princess. But I'm not entirely sure what Hans Christian Andersen was thinking, because that right there is not a princess. That right there is a problem. And here's the point. If your pee is misplaced, it's only going to cause you pain. So check your pees. What are, what, are, what are the priorities? What are you giving permission to? And um, what's your perspective? People with the right perspective, that, that's the starting point. That's, that's the compass. That's the navigational instrument that says that's heading us out in the right direction. But if our perspective is off, everything is off. And so one of the greatest things that we can do to live our best, most healthy uh, life mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, is to maintain the right perspective. Wow, that's good. You know, um, I recently, there's this verse in the Bible that I read this scripture in, and it kind of gave me a new perspective on what you're saying. Um, In Proverbs 14.30, It says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life, jealousy rots it away. But that first part, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. I think like what you're saying is like, you know, the the perspective of how you're seeing things, like where you place things in your life, it matters. Like, because it not only affects your life, it affects your mental health, your physical health. You know, I that story's so funny to me because I'm like, how does it make her a princess? <laughs> you know, it's just such an interesting thought process, like that story. But I think you know, like really like people who act royal aren't necessarily the most sensitive or the most weak. They're the people who are the most resilient, you know? And I think like, it's, it's really interesting because the, I don't know, like it's like so many times in life we can go through things and, and the, uh, tell me, tell me the, just to make sure I get this right. You said the perspective, what was the second one? Permission, permission and priority and priority. You know, one of the things my dad has uh, raised me and my sister on is, uh, did you give them permission to hurt you? Mm. Did you give that person permission to, to say that? Did you give them permission? Like, do you give that thought permission? And I think that a lot of people don't even realize like you're giving 
things permission and priority in your life. So that's a great example because it's the outworking of all three right now. So when you ask, well, did I give that person permission to offend me? Because it certainly is my observation that no one can offend you with if you, unless you give them permission to. And if you do, then you are part and parcel of the offense. <laughs> Uh, I love offending people. Um, well, not that I want to hurt people in any way, but I, I want to push the boundaries. I want to challenge them. And look, if, you, if you've got offended, then I've pressed the right button. I've got a nerve and let's, dr- let's drill down on this so as to fix the problem. Look, if you go to the doctor and you've, you've hurt yourself playing basketball, this is what the doctor says. Okay, tell me when it hurts. And then oh, they start yeah. pressing and no, pressing, no, pressing. And then all of a sudden, ah! And now we've found where the problem is. So if I've said something and it's caused offense, ah, this is great because we've found where the problem is. Now, it's not that I want to cause you pain, but I want to reveal where the problem might be. And so when somebody says, well, I was greatly offended by that. Well, yes, you have given that person permission to offend you. You're part and parcel of this. So you are uh, in this in this sense, prioritizing the offense. Um, and, uh, and we need to make sure that, that it's not just the priority and the, the permission, but it's because we had the wrong perspective in the first place. Yeah. If we would have had the right perspective, then that person, we would have understood from that person, okay, so that's probably why they said that, or that's the background that they've had and that's the direction that they're coming from. And so I can see why they would say, I might not necessarily agree with it, and it's probably not necessarily a nice thing to say, but I'm not gonna give myself permission to be, or give them permission to um, to offend me in, in this sense and prioritize this offense as the thing I'm gonna focus on right now. No, no, that's not yeah. leadership right there. Yeah, you know, one of the things my brother introduced me to this quote by Albert Einstein, I think it was, and uh, he said, it's a mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without agreeing. And I think that it's like super interesting because, you know, there's there's people that, um, you know, all of us encounter this, you know, you're driving, someone has road rage, they're honking at you, they're using their fingers at you in different ways, you know, <laughs> to show their anger. And I always like to say, my mom taught me that God made all my fingers and they're all good and just the world makes them bad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but for me, I think, you know, I've heard this analogy where people say like, some people are like garbage trucks. Once they get full enough, their trash flies off in, to your area or in yeah yeah yeah, spills over and you get a choice though what you pick up you get a choice what you hold on to because whatever you hold on to is what you're going to be you know whatever you're full of is what you're going to be led by and you only have so much room in you and if you're being full of the wrong things you don't have enough room for the right things and so i think you know what you're saying is so amazing because I think some people, you know, they want to go to the next level. They want to go to the next level in business. They want to go to the next level in their family, in their marriage, in their life as a leader. And I think just that thought process of like, what are you giving priority to? What are you giving permission to? And then what was the last one? I'm sorry. Um, Perspective. Perspective. Like that is, that's so incredible. So how could we, how could we go through each one of these and practically give somebody just some thoughts on each one of these areas. Well, let's start with perspective. Okay. All too often, we can see things as we think that they are, but there may be other things hidden in plain sight that our eyes just haven't been opened to yet. We haven't got the right perspective. Mm. For example, 
Um, one of the most famous paintings in the world, uh, Michelangelo's uh, the creation of Adam painted in 1499 in the Sistine Chapel. It's one of the, you know, the, the greatest, most probably most famous representation of God. Um, if you can picture this, it's God reaching through the cloud with his finger pointing down towards Adam. God is earnestly stretching out trying to connect with man. Um, man is kind of just sitting back, you know, a little lackluster. His 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 hand is is a little limp and his finger is kind of half pointed upwards. Uh, so, so not not quite the same earnestness or vigor to try and connect with God, but nonetheless, there's a, there's a meeting of the two fingers, almost a little bit like ET. Um, <laughs> phone home, and, and and in this painting, if you look a little bit closer at the representation of God in the cloud, um, you might recall that there are other uh, people which are actually angels or representations of of certain virtues um, in the picture with God in the cloud. And God has his arm around a girl uh, who all of the scholars uh, say is Lady Wisdom, the the woman um, of virtue. I always love that Proverbs. wisdom is referred to as a she. I just like that. <laughs> <laughs> the virtuous woman, yeah. But it's interesting, um, not so long ago, a medical doctor discovered that the representation of God in the cloud is the exact anatomical structure of the human brain right from the frontal lobe, the limbic system going down into the brain stem. When you overlay the human brain over God, it's a perfect match. Wow. Now, critics have said, well, you know, that just goes to show that God is just a figment of man's imagination. Uh, so there have been different interpretations yeah. or other interpretations where, no, God is the central point of, the, of human thought and human emotion and the human mind, basically. He, he should be, you know, center. Um, but the, the, the characteristics of this, uh, of the people, in particular, this lady of wisdom, this, this virtuous woman, um, she is located in the limbic system. Mm. Now, for those of you not familiar with the brain, the limbic system is just a fancy word for the emotional brain or the primal drive part of the brain where our urges are located. Mm -hmm. And so when you're hungry, you go and eat something. When you're when you're sad, you cry. When you're when you're angry, you know you shake your fist at the sky. When you're tired, you go sleep. All, all of these primal drives or primal urges. Um, but the question is, why is Lady Wisdom located there? Because we know through neuroscience that wisdom is actually located in the frontal lobe behind the prefront uh, behind the forehead in the prefrontal cortex. This is where we make the executive decisions for our life that not just affect um, ourselves and our future self, but also other people around us. And this is what separates human beings from the rest of the animal kingdom. We have access to this phenomena called wisdom. But instead of the lady being where wisdom is actually located, the lady is placed in the limbic system, in the primal mm. drive area of the brain, where wisdom is needed. Yeah, It's a great perspective um, that, hidden in plain sight, are things that we just didn't see. And so when I recognize, okay, so I need to have wisdom. Even though I have this urge or this craving or this desire to do something, I need to step out of the emotion and have it balanced with my mind, with my thoughts. Uh, so my passion is what often drives me and I get so excited for something. But unless it's balanced with reflection and introspection that I can um, carefully and critique and consider um, the value and the merit and remove the emotion from it, I'm not going to make a very good decision. No. But if I want to have yeah. peak performance, I need to have equal portions of both. 
You know the word, I always love this, the word passion actually means to suffer. <laughs> and I just think that's like, I mean, there's a lot of things I could go into with that, but I think without wisdom, your passion will cause you to suffer. Yeah. Because you'll be led down all these emotional roads with this emotional drive and not have a perspective that's balanced. Yeah. You know, I think, um, and to, to help me with the wording of this, but I know I've seen studies and there's tons of studies out there about everything, but even like with like the placement of your brain, like your emotional center is what's hit first, right? Whenever you think, um, yeah, it depends. Or whenever you experience something, depends what we're experiencing. So okay. if we're seeing something or listening to something or, uh, yeah, it'll be processed in different parts of the brain, but, but ultimately it, it goes through certain, you know, main station centers before we can actually think logically about the experience. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like at least, you know, in, in my way of speaking, um, I think that it's so interesting because you know, that's why it's self-leadership is so important because just because something seems very loud or very strong or like you're in a, your emotions can feel very strong, but that doesn't mean that they're right. Yes. And I think that that perspective like in your life is so invaluable. If you can be a person that can take a step back and just, you know, there was, it's funny because PBS, I don't know if you guys have PBS in Australia or so in, like any in any places you've lived, <laughs> it's like a it's like it was like a, a local TV show, uh -huh. but it was something where they would show like kids shows, all different kinds of stuff. Well, they had this program growing up, at least for me, where they would have these flashes of colors and numbers on the screen, and it was this jingle, this song that would go stop breathe, count to three, you know, stop, breathe, count to three. And it was this thing that they would teach kids how not to get angry or how to deal with their problems before they had an outburst. And I think in my life, it's helped me so much to remember that because so before I have an emotional response, before I just make a decision on what something is, to get perspective, even taking three seconds, mm. like, and I don't know what the scientific proof is behind that, but taking three seconds of just going, okay, stop, like breathe, Think about this and then choose to respond. Choose to have a perspective that's not led by my emotions or what I can see or what I feel has been so like instrumental for me at least. And I don't know if you have anything on that, but I know that for me, if, if you can just as a leader, at least take a step back and wait for a second, you might actually have more wisdom. That's great. Um, research shows that if you have a craving or a temptation or an urge which is you know driven by the limbic system the emotional core center of the brain and you look passion simply denotes strong or intense emotion and you rightly said whether that be positive emotion or negative emotion pain or suffering um, or even anger look we we know that that is a that that's going to lead us to behave in a particular way but those cravings or urges only last for between two or seven minutes mm. um, and so if we uh, what we call in psychology surf the wave or urge surf um, the wave changes in dimension and if you instead of ducking under the wave to avoid the wave or um, allowing yourself to be crashed over by the wave what if you actually harness the power of the wave and surf it and what you discover is that the wave doesn't last for very long. It's a short ride. Mm. And, and then all of a sudden, um, when the wave starts to peter out and die down, you realize you're actually now closer to shore. Um, so this urge surfing is a, a psychological tool or trick that people use so as to not get carried away by their emotions in the heat of the emotion and react. Mm. 
but rather ride it just for a second, allow two to seven minutes to pass before making an executive decision about whatever it is that, that needs to be you know, decided upon. I mean, the most obvious example that we see on TV these days is, is you know, these renovation or house buying shows. And, <laughs> and one, one, one member of the family is like, I love this. And the other member of the family is, I don't know that we can afford this. And so there's yeah. logic versus passion taking place. Yeah. And uh, we need to come to the reconciliation of them both. Because if we were only ever driven by logic, well, we wouldn't buy any house. And if we were only ever driven by passion, well, we'd buy every house um, that we love. And so there has to be a balance between the two. And, yeah. and so this is the way we look at it from, from a psychological perspective. If you are passionate about something, there is um, a fine line between um, being uh, creative and crazy. Mm. Um, there's a fine line between um, mad and sad, if you will. And so we really need to recognize that if I am really passionate about something, I'm gonna end up in the mad land, the crazy land. I'm gonna yeah. make silly, silly and poor choices. But if I don't have much passion on the other end of the spectrum and I'm just deeply introspective and reflective and critical, um, then I am gonna end up in the sad land and I'll miss out on plenty of opportunities. So if you want peak performance, have to have equal proportions. Maintain the right perspective between um, my passion and my calculated uh, reflection. Yeah, that's so good. So what's the next one that you wanna cover on that list? So we've got perspective and then immediately permission. Uh, what is it that we are giving ourselves permission um, to experience? And you mentioned before, uh, well, you know, people can't offend us without us first giving them our permission to do that. But permission goes so much further. It's um, understanding that I need to sometimes give myself permission to take a risk. Mm -hmm. I need to sometimes give myself permission to take a day off and recharge and reflect. Uh, and all too often, you know, we might be giving ourselves permission subconsciously to do things that ultimately end up um, jeopardizing our, our future. But consciously, we don't give ourselves permission to do the things that we ultimately do need to. One of the greatest examples of this, for example, if, if you're in a financial crisis and um, or you're the leader of a company and you're going through a significant downturn and there's problems left, right and center and you, you're just overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. Uh, one of the best things you can do, go to Tahiti. Tahiti? Uh, Tahiti. Well, that's just the, the tropical island that I've just plucked out of the sky. <laughs> but it, it, Tahiti is just a metaphor for go on holiday, go lie on a beach, sip a pina colada, um, slop on some sun cream and, and just sit and do nothing. Because when you take time out when you give yourself permission to rest creative ideas return uh, a lot of uh, executives hate it when their ceo goes away on holidays because the ceo will often comes back come back with all these innovative brand new ideas yeah. why because they were able to stop long enough long enough for the creative juices to start to flow once again so if you're in financial crisis it doesn't make sense to go on holiday well, I can't afford to go on a holiday. No, you cannot not afford to go on a holiday because you need to take this time out to decompress, to process, to just be. And it is in the silence that we discover God is there. Be still and know that I am God. God's got some solutions for us that he's itching to share with us, but we're just so busy running around like chickens with our heads cut off, so worried about this, that, and the other, and we haven't stopped. And the moment we do, we go, Wow, I never thought about it from that perspective. And we come up with innovative solutions uh, to great problems that we could otherwise not see a way out of, all because 
we gave ourselves permission to do the right thing or to stop or to have some self-investment for half a moment. That's so good. Um, You know, one of the things that I've been taught in my family is what you focus on expands. And like you're saying, if you're so focused on the problem, the problem is just going to (laughs) expand. But if you're focused on like separating yourself, like that's so good because I think, you know, in a situation like that, the facts won't change, but your focus can change and it will change the facts. Yes. So I just think that that's, it's so, it's so opposite of (laughs) the answer that you think you need to have in that moment. And I think it's so good for some of us to hear because um, what's logical to us, especially for someone who is, you know, leading a company, leading a business, leading a family, is to keep pushing, push, 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 push. But sometimes you're going to push your way into the grave, <laughs> push your way into the negative, push your way into a space that's dangerous and pushing doesn't always fix something. No. And if we maintain, once again, the trifecta, if we maintain the right perspective that whatever we water in our garden will grow. And so in your words, whatever we focus our attention on increases in our life. Well, if we're always focusing on the bad stuff, then we simply get more of the bad stuff, yeah, which is not what we want. So how do we get more of the good stuff? How do I even focus on the good stuff when I'm so overwhelmed by the challenges that are presented um, uh, to me? Well, we have to maintain um, the right balance. Mm. And this is really key. And if, and if anyone can get this, um, I talked about retracting back and going away on holiday, but there's an actual mathematical formula um, that we came up with a number of years ago, and it was, and it was almost like, uh, wow, this 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 idea it sounds really good. And then we went and researched it, and sure enough, every formula that we applied to it um, came out squeaky clean. In other words, it fits almost every scenario. So here's the mathematical formula. It's called peak performance. If you want to tap into the sweet spot of your life. The mathematical formula is maintain the discipline of staying within the range of 65 to 85%. Let me explain to you what that means. If you are more than 85% busy, you are ineffective as a leader. Mm. You have to give yourself permission to scale back a little bit. But if you are less than 65% busy, well, then you are unproductive as a leader. The sweet spot is between 65 and 85%. Now, if you take that formula and you apply it to almost any aspect of your life, if you take a a seven-day week and you take out 15%, that's a day off. If you take out another 15%, well, that's two days off. We just had a weekend. Uh, Now we're in the sweet spot. Take one to two days off a week and you'll be in the sweet spot. Take a 24-hour work day. Well, if you sleep for more than 8.5 hours, well, then you are unproductive. But if you don't get more than six uh, and a half hours sleep, then you are essentially burning the candle too much and uh, you will not be as effective as what you could be uh, as a leader. Uh, finances, you know, we, we give, you know, oftentimes um, generously to community events or uh, to humanitarian projects or we tithe in church, we give 10%. But it's tithes and offering. If you were just to give 5% more, you now tapped into the sweet spot of 85%. That if you apply this formula to almost every aspect of your life, just to scale it back a little bit. If your mind is always racing and you're always thinking, oh, what have, what have I got to do next? Time? I've got to do this. Stop. 
If you've got too many projects on the board, scale it back to 85% because that's the sweet spot. In other words, the less you do, the slower you go, the faster you'll get there. It's a psychological principle that, don't believe me that it works, just try it. It's the sweet spot of peak performance. One of the best piece of advice that I could ever give to anybody who's a great leader, who's doing a lot of things, and I would say, do less. Scale it back to 85% and you will ultimately achieve more. Well, you know, I remember a couple months ago, I sat in a room with my dad. He was talking to a high level leader and he was saying, you need to go away. Like you need to stop working so much, you need to go away. And this leader said to him, I feel like if I don't hit it while the iron's hot, I'm gonna lose my momentum. And he said, no, you're gonna lose your momentum if you don't rest. Like you have to rest. You know, people, it's funny. I don't know if this is just my generation, but my generation always says like, I need to take a mental health day. (laughs) But it's like so true. I think when you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing, if you don't have that other side of it, like you're not gonna be able to get where you need to get. And like, you know, they say the, the turtle, you know, and the hair, the turtle is the one that wins because he was slow and steady, but he's still making progress. Mm. And I think we can get frustrated with that because we want it, we want it fast, we want it quick, we want it to happen now, but that doesn't always make the longevity of the success happen. Correct, yes. And so for me, I think sometimes, especially being a passionate person in my life, I can get frustrated at myself because I should be further along. I should be doing more. I should have more of this going for me, but there's so much internal work that's happening every day. And if I don't pay attention to that and give myself even the permission to to realize those things and to take the time to understand even what God's doing in my life, I'm gonna miss it. Mm. And I'm gonna have to relearn the lessons and I'm gonna have to deal with frustration. And it's really because a lot of times I don't have the perspective or the permission or the (laughs) everything you're saying it all just aligns with everything I need (laughs) I I think you pressed a sore spot a sore spot just before when you said you know at me at my age I should be further along and I think that pretty much everyone who's listening to this (laughs) podcast will go yes I know exactly what you're saying and it doesn't matter how much success that you've had chances are that you will still feel that way that there was so much more potential and I just I can't believe I'm this age already and I've only got this amount of years left and and like I should be way further along down the track well here's a key for you. Uh, look, I can relate to everything that you're saying as well. And and I know that as I look back on my life when I was young, I was greatly ambitious. Uh, I've been, you know, dabbling in entrepreneurial activities since I was a child. And so I've done, you know, a whole range of different things um, with business activities and ministry exploits and humanitarian projects and always biting off much more than I can chew, <laughs> believing that, you know, I'm just too stupid to know that it couldn't be done and, and let's see what happens. But the older I've become, I've recognized the value in letting go of ambition. Uh, Not just because I'm getting old or tired or worn out, but recognizing I have to give God permission to do what he wants to do in my life, not just me always pursuing my ambition that's going to be great, because all too often um, we'll miss the point. God's whole point is, hey, it's not what you do. It's it's who you are. Yeah. It's the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. That's good. So who are you becoming? 
And when all you're doing is striving for, for advancement or progress, then you'll start using people as stepping stones to get to where you want to go, as opposed to actually meeting those people where they're at and, and investing in their lives and taking them on a journey without any personal agenda as to where they can get take you or connect you or give you or what. Stop. Stop with your own agenda and give yourself permission to trust God. Give God permission to reveal to you what it is that he wants you to do. And if he does give you a, a prophetic word and says, this is this is the call, then sit back and go, okay, Greg, God, I look forward to seeing how you're going to pull this yeah, off. So now, if you tell me, open this door, push this door open, sure, I will do my part. But if you said you're going to do this, let me not force it. Let me not make it happen. Let me not become Abraham and create an Ishmael on my hands because yeah. God said it was going to. So let me go ahead and do it in my own strength because I am going to figure this out. I can't see any way that I can get a child <laughs> out of out of, uh, out of of my wife. Uh, Sarah is way too old. So let me get her maidservant and this will be a fun experience. And then all of a sudden we've got an Ishmael on our hands that stays with us not just for my lifetime but for generations to come let us just give permission to stop give permission to god give ourselves permission to trust and see what he's gonna do it's a great health tip so good so that the last one um priority would be priority which priorities are really important (laughs) (laughs) what would you what would you tell us just like to end on what would what's what's your perspective on this priority um if you're going to be a great leader my greatest health tip is to prioritize creating margin in your life Uh, margin of course is the gap or the difference between what you have and what you need so if you've got an appointment at seven o'clock and it takes you half an hour to get there and you leave um, at uh, 6.25, it gives you 35 minutes to get there. Now, it takes you half an hour, so you're going to have five minutes of margin. If there's a traffic jam, however, that five minutes of margin is going to be eaten up very quickly and you will become stressed because you are now potentially going to be late. So create more margin. Make sure that this is a priority for you to leave a good 15 minutes early or 20 minutes earlier um, because then you can arrive and you can arrive fresh and not stressed. You can actually meet people and have a coffee and say, hey, how are you doing? And how's that auntie of yours who got admitted into hospital? I heard she was not doing so well. And now we get to build relationship and we get to arrive with confidence as opposed to with stress because Mm. we're always um, pushing it to the max and we have no margin. And the same is true with our finances, always creating margin because the unexpected is always going to occur. You know, you, your mom has to go to hospital, the car breaks down, you, you, you got this unexpected tax bill that you weren't awaiting. And then all of a sudden your stress arrives. And there's a great example of this in the Bible where Jesus is visiting a particular town um, and, uh, and there's this, this, this trifecta uh, family, um, Mary, um, Martha, and Lazarus, um, they're, they're siblings, and, and Jesus comes in and, and uh, of course, Martha is busy, you know, uh, getting the hors d'oeuvres ready and getting the drinks and preparing, sitting the table, and, and, and Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet, and, and Martha's getting a bit frustrated like that she's doing all the work, and so she comes out and says, Jesus, tell this woman to help me. I'm doing all of the work here and jesus says martha martha 
You are greatly distressed and worried about many things. But indeed, there's only one thing that's important right here, and Mary has chosen that better way, and it will not be taken from her. And the point is that you are only worried and distressed about many things when you are so busy. You've got no margin, no margin to sit at Jesus' feet. And my observation is, Martha didn't come out and say, please, Jesus, tell Mary to help me on the kitchen so that I can sit at your feet and learn from you and take time out and have margin. No, she didn't want to spend time with Jesus. She just wanted to make Mary busy also. It's that victim mindset that we've been speaking about. You don't want to actually have a better future. You just want to bring others down to where you're at. But the funny thing is that it happens again later on in another chapter, a couple of chapters on, and actually another book on. Um, Mary and Martha are, are gathered again. We're hang- Jesus is hanging out at Lazarus's place, and 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 Mary is at Jesus' feet, and Martha is serving. And Mary pours a, a, a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, wipes it with her hair, kind of gross, but anyway. And uh, and and the idea is that nothing's changed. Jesus gave Martha the greatest advice of all time. You know, she's receiving the advice from the greatest advice giver of all time. Have a little margin. And yet, a few chapters on, nothing's changed. Martha is still serving and Mary is still at Jesus' feet. If you're going to prioritize anything, prioritize margin. Create some space in your life where you can sit at the feet of Jesus, where you can arrive a little bit early, where you've got a financial buffer in case of emergency. This is one of the greatest mental health pieces of advice that I could give because when you have no margin, the result is distress and worry about many things. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I, it so tracks with what I've been taught, you know, because my, even from a financial standpoint, my dad's always said, I don't live by budgets, I live by margins. And I, I so track with that because I've seen it play out in my family's life and my dad's life and his leadership. And um, I love that even in the Bible, God gives us on a level like this margin. Like I, I this scripture, it's one of my favorite scriptures, but in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it talks about how his grace is more than enough and his power finds its full expression through our weakness. And I think about how like he gives us margin he gives us like margin in our lives to not always get it and he's gonna make up a difference. And so often, especially when you're a leader, you're driving, you're pushing, you're driving, you're trying to figure it out, trying to get it done. And you don't create that margin, whether it's time, financially, relationally, whatever it is. And you see people like Billy Graham even, who are great leaders, great ministry person, but doesn't have the family aspect. Like there's not that priority and it there's not a balance with it. And so I think what you're saying about margin is, is amazing, but also understanding that God gives us the ability to have margin like we don't have, we don't have to have it all together we don't have to have it all perfect but when you have him in the right priority you know even we have the ability to for a place that we're weak he can make up the difference even mm. not even just make up the difference go beyond what we're even capable of doing and so i just i thank you dr robbie for taking the time to be with us today and for giving us all the wisdom there's so much i'm going to personally think about and apply in my own life and i hope that for you guys today that this has given you some thoughts to go deeper on and some things, maybe there's been points where it's even like you said, it was a pressure point or it was something that brought out, oh, ow. But that's that's what shows you where you need to grow, where you need to heal, where you need more of God. Uh, and I always look at leadership 
whenever I'm given leadership as I might not like the way this feels, but if I don't like the way it feels, there's something there for me that can grow me and that can develop me because the only way you even grow a muscle is it has these micro tears and then it builds back stronger. So that's how I see even stuff like this is like, I never knew that or that just went deeper or I don't necessarily like the way that went, but this has the potential (laughs) to grow me and make me stronger if I can apply it, if I can like agree or even entertain the thought before I agree is going, is this a possibility for me? So thank you so much for all your wisdom. Is there anything else? Yeah, look, I, my, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening. I hope these, you know, few little thoughts and pieces. And as you started saying, what makes you qualified? Um, I'm not necessarily <laughs> sure I am. I'm just like everywhere, everyone else trying to do the best that I can and make sure that I too have those three P's in place so that it doesn't end up out of place and, and in pain, but that we can live our best possible lives. So wherever you might be at, I hope you can take at least one or two things and, uh, and apply it, test it. Don't believe me that it's true. Just give it a go. Yeah. And, uh, and you shall know it by its fruits. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Keela Craft Ambrose.